something great about the day here. It's wonderful weather for a Sunday afternoon. Swelling the crowd even further. And as mentioned, it's by no means one way here, the support. Benfica have a tremendous following. I think that surprises many of us who visit every year for the International Champions Cup, actually, just how well supported they are across the United States. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 64 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinu. And I wish I were coming to you on better terms this week. Bruno Lage is no longer the manager of Sport Lisboa Benfica. And... It was overdue, in my opinion, and it it pains me to say that. All right, and I've listened this week to to all of the other podcasts, all of the other you know. Tell I've watched the television shows, I've listened to the radio shows, I've read the blogs, I've read the newspapers, and I wish I were telling you that in this episode today, I'm going to tell you something you haven't heard yet. But the truth is, we all see it. We all kind of are seeing and saying the same things. No matter, uh, no matter where you're getting the information, whether it's from, you know, Benfica FM or Benfica After Ninety. A, a shout out to to Mario, to Alex, and to Luis, who uh, had an awesome episode the other night that I caught. Um, all saying such good things. I mean, everybody's angry. There's a lot of emotion right now. They all said some really, really good things and I think we all are kind of seeing the same thing we all knew Bruno Lage had to go deep down even me and you know Baquero on Benfica FM even said he used to write poems to this man but he realized that it was it was a it was a he called it un amor de verão a summer relationship that was passionate that was fantastic that was the time of your life but it was fast it was hot and it was over. And um, yeah, I mean, it summarizes it pretty much right on on the head. I mean, uh, like so many others, you know, that do this, I am absolutely a, a hopeless romantic when it comes to football. I I had I in my perfect utopian football world, all managers are are icons of their teams. You know, I only want to see, in a perfect world, I want to see Benfica only managed by Benfica people, preferably past players, because we already have that connection, right? I even want to see my rivals managed and run by their guys. I want to see, for example, Vitor Bahia in charge of Porto, because I associate Vitor Bahia with Porto. I want... Rui Costa to have a bigger role in Benfica because I believe for whatever reason I have no reason to believe this by the way other than the fact that he was a phenomenal footballer and my footballing idol as a kid I have no other reason to believe that he's good or can be very good at running this team I even want to see Sporting have a role for Luis Figu because again I'm a hopeless romantic when it comes to football and Bruno Leisch Bruno Lage, I'm telling you, he 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 hits 
every single mark with hopeless romantics. He was everything that we wanted in a manager for our club. He epitomized Benfiquismo. But uh, if you want to know what real, you know, what I think really was the downfall, among other things, um, I suggest go over to www.mrbenfica.com. I wrote an article this week about culture being Benfica's problem and not, or I wrote that Benfica's problem is a cultural one and not a technical tactical one. No matter how good the tactics and the technical ability of the players, when a locker room is rotten, when a culture is toxic, which it's beginning to become evident, Benfica falls under that category. the The performance on the pitch is not gonna is not gonna inspire. And Benfica, if there's one thing they are, it's uninspired. So I'm sad to see Bruno Lage go in a sense. I'm sad that it got drawn out this long as well. Um, he's gonna make out fine in the news. You will hear, um, you will hear some of the details. Let's hear the flash interview right now of Bruno Lage at the end of that match on Monday. Here's Bruno Lage talking to Sport TV right after the match. Temos uma entrada muito muito boa no jogo. Um, criamos várias oportunidades de gol na cara do guarda-redes. Novamente podíamos ter feito chegar ao intervalo a vencer por dois e por três. Não marcámos esses gols. Entramos na segunda parte bem a tentar controlar. Vamos o tempo vai 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 terminando. Nós vamos mexendo para para tentar marcar o gol porque nós tínhamos que que vencer. Depois tem dois grandes contra-ataques do Marítimo uh, fazem dois gols. Não recordo de grandes oportunidades do Marítimo. Recordo sim dessas duas situações em que apanhamos um pouco desequilibrados e, e como tal sofremos estes gols. Não conseguimos marcar, ficamos, somos muito penalizados pela forma como não marcamos as oportunidades que criamos na primeira parte. Sente com, este, com esta derrota o título foge definitivamente se o Porto conseguir vencer? Pois, nós temos é que nos preocupar é connosco. Há pouco o Pizzi dizia aqui que os jogadores estão com o treinador, que o Bruno Lage não perdeu a qualidade. A verdade é que, olhando para os últimos 10 jogos, desde essa derrota do Dragão, são duas vitórias, quatro empates e quatro derrotas. Para quem está de fora, é difícil perceber o que é que se passa. Olha, é como, 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 como lhe digo, assumir a, a total responsabilidade daquilo que tem sido feito. Os jogadores dizem que estão consigo, sendo que a direção também está e que vai continuar até o fim, os jogadores tal estão, como disse ontem. Os jogadores estão comigo e estamos todos no mesmo barco, como lhe digo. Tenho sentido o apoio de toda a gente, desde, desde a primeira hora até, até sempre, porque é isso, é isso que eu sinto. Eu sinto o apoio de toda a gente e toda a gente quer que eu, que eu, que eu, que eu tenha acesso no clube. Incluindo a direção também? Todos, digo muito presidente, toda a estrutura, toda a gente. Que moça é que faz o seu trabalho durante toda esta semana ter sido falado que o Benfica está nenhuma, à procura de um treinador nenhuma, de próxima época. So the manager begins his flash interview there with a typical, I guess, now expected analysis of what happened in the match, and it was it was very very Lige esque, at least the two twenty two two thousand twenty version of Bruno Lige. Uh, very much how his his uh, interviews and flashes and press conferences have sounded. Uh, you know the team started well. They did A, B, C, and D correctly. But when we didn't score, we had to push. He explains that he had to risk um, adding players to get a goal because they couldn't afford anything less. And when that happens, sometimes you run the risk of surrendering. 
under Bruno Lage in in big matches, just about every time he rakes that risk, Benfica surrender. We can go all the way back to January of 2019, the Portuguese League Cup semifinal. His first loss when we lost to Porto, down two to one. It was one of the worst refereeing robberies ever. But that aside, down two to one. Um, if you remember, Bruno Lage subs off outside backs to bring on forwards, leaving, I think it was Salvio to do one side, and I think it was on the right side that he made the change. And within minutes on a counterattack, Porto made it 3-1. to one. Every time he makes those, those substitutions, or it seems like every time, the other team finds a way to counter. And we'll talk about it in this episode, in this match. It took Maritimo exactly one minute once the outside mids, Pizzi and Cervi, were substituted for Maritimo to get on the board and go ahead. Now, going uh, through the rest of that interview, um, the the reporter starts to starts to poke away, and Bruno Lage says, "You know, we have to do our job. We can't be worried about our rival. We have to do. We had to win this game. We didn't win it." Well, it's almost the same thing he said against Santa Clara. But the reporter continues to poke. And he says, you know, PZ came here. He's claiming PZ was in a flash, saying that the players believe in the manager. Brutalized reiterates that the players are with him, that we're all in the same boat, and we're all, you know, in this together to work our way out of it. And the reporter continues, is the is the president and the... The board with you. And he says everybody was with me from the president to the board that everybody is in this boat together. And then he goes on to ask, and I didn't really pick up the exact word he used at first, but something along the lines of, then why are Benfica looking for other managers? As, or what do you have to say about Benfica's look, you know, pursuit of a new manager this week? And Bruno Lage at that point gets pissed off and walks off the flash interview. And... We do not see Bruno Lage in the postgame presser for the first time ever. Um, I believe that's a requirement of the head coach's or the manager's position. And Befica will likely be fined for that. But Luis Felipe Vieta sat in his place in the press postgame presser as um, perhaps that was the final the final straw that pushed Lige over the edge and compelled him to hand in his resignation. But again, I have to I have to say and I'll talk about this more later in the episode here at the end of the match he says the team is with him okay this man is so loyal to the very people who are throwing him under the bus that he will not publicly disgrace any of his players he stands up for every single one of his players this team let their manager down. I'm not saying that the manager didn't have to go. He does. Especially if the team, you know, is no longer playing for the manager, which is clearly apparent. But I'm really put off by the behavior and by the attitude of Benfica's players in these final matches. And it says something to me, at least, about their level of professionalism as a group. 
I don't believe they're one group. I believe there's many groups inside that locker room, and I believe they're, you know, it's almost like a tribal culture. And um, this is, these are just instincts I get from what I can see from the outside, obviously. I'm not on the inside. I would love to be on the inside. And I agree with what's been said by quite a few people that I think years from now we are going to talk about this Benfica 2019-2020 that blew a seven-point lead that ended up giving a whole new breath of life to our biggest rival, a rival we had a chance to bury in the ground. We've given them a a new life, a new lease on life. They're going to win the title. They're going to make the, the money for automatically getting into the Champions League. They're going to sell a player or two, and they're going to be cleared of, of you know financial fair play, any wrongdoing in my opinion. They're going to pay what they owe. Um, I know it's more complicated than that, but I think Porto's going to come out of this looking fine. And instead of us celebrating what should be our seventh consecutive title, we're watching our rivals take two out of three from us. When they were under investigation for financial fair play violations, they were, you know, having to let players go for free because they don't have any money. They had to take out loans to to subsidize their players during the, the, the COVID-19 pause. Benfica spoiled their players rotten. And the thanks that the club gets is performances like this. It's hard to... And I don't want to say that the manager didn't make bad decisions. He made bad decisions. But nobody can manage a team when the players don't want to play. And maybe they're not intentionally, you know, maybe they're not intentionally tanking, so to speak, trying to bury their manager. But from their performances and their lack of effort, their poor attitude, they have absolutely hold much of the responsibility and in the news, you'll hear a bit from Luis Felipe Vieira talking about how he's the one to blame. And that really triggers me. And I'll tell you why. About 10 years ago, I, and this was not in football. This was in my my personal job, my, my employment, okay, my bread and butter management team I was a part of. We came in one day, and we had a meeting without one of the members. The boss told us that the member that was missing was to be let go that day. So he told us first where I had a problem was what happened next. The words of this corporate elite to say it's not, you know, we're letting him go. But this is, this is, we failed him. He did not fail. And if he did not fail, why is he the one getting fired? And if the blame is Luis Felipe Vieta's, if he's going to take a microphone and put the blame on himself and say that the manager is not to blame, why is the manager the one that goes? I know he handed in his resignation and it was accepted. But how, how can a person of leadership in a position like president of this club Take that microphone at that podium and say that he is the one to blame. Keep his job and in the next sentence, oh, by the way, our manager has resigned. Resigned. He stepped down. 
It's going to be a long episode, everybody. I hope you're <laughs> up for it. Um, we'll try to get through it as painlessly as possible. Of course, I want to ask everyone to go ahead and check out MrBenfica.com. I've got some new content up there. Also, we're not going to talk so much in this episode about what's happening next to Bruno Lage because I've got a Bruno Lage episode in the works. There will be a complete review and evaluation of the Bruno Lage tenure as manager of Benfica. If you don't want to hear that, that's cool. Don't listen to that episode. It's all good. But I think um, to be fair and to be responsible, I will break down the last year and a half that has been Benfica under Brunelage, and I'll give my opinion. And in that episode, I will spend some time talking about what I think is next for Brunelage. What's next for Benfica? Well, we don't know yet. There's tons of rumors. I have a hard time biting on any of them. Some of them seem more fairy tale than anything else. All right. We'll talk about it a little bit in the news. Um, obviously, you all know that JJ is at the heart of a lot of Benfiquistas' uh, wishes. A lot of Benfiquistas want Jorge Jesus to return to the club, to leave Flamengo, a place he just signed a, a, a contract renewal to weeks ago. And um, that was ruled out pretty quickly. JJ put it down. Um, saying that it was not going to happen. And then people got carried away talking about Mauricio Pochettino, one of the best managers in the world, maybe one of the top five managers on planet Earth right now. Uh, he was unfortunate to be to be sacked. And I think that Mauricio Pochettino is sitting pretty, waiting for a major job to open up. I don't think he's going to jump back in and manage Benfica. I think he's already he's already uh, declined um, declined the offer publicly. Uh, also, Unai Emery, who last managed Arsenal, a lot of Benficaistas have a place for him in their hearts, maybe because he beat us in one of those Europa League finals. He did some great work at Sevilla. But then he went and, you know, he won a French league and got to the round of 16 with PSG. PSG could probably win the French league and get to the round of 16 in the Champions League without a manager. So that doesn't prove anything. And he had a very hard time of it at, at the Emirates in Lo North London uh, guiding uh, Arsenal. And I know a lot of people like his style, like his football. And um, we'll see. I, I just don't see managers of that category of that level coming to Benfica at this point in time especially but we'll get into that in this episode so sit tight all right we're gonna pay a bill and then we're gonna go through the news there's a lot of news tonight and then on the back end of that we will hear Reconquista and then get in to this match Maritimo 2, Benfica nil. this is Mr. Benfica I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu and you can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mister, or on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, at Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica, or by, you can also actually email questions or comments to me at TheMrBenfica at gmail.com, TheMrBenfica, no spaces, at gmail.com. We'll be right back. Luís Felipe Vieira anunciou há minutos que Bruno Lage colocou o lugar à disposição depois da derrota com o Marítimo. O presidente do Benfica foi até à sala de imprensa e deixou uma mensagem a todos os benfiquistas. 
Boa noite a todos. Como devem imaginar, a família benfiquista neste momento está demasiado frustrada, mas dizer-lhes de que tudo o fizemos e tudo demos para na realidade sermos felizes este ano. Não fomos e dizer-lhes com algo que que tem que ser dito mesmo, não vale a pena, nós estamos a esconder. O único culpado sou eu, que sou o Presidente do Benfica. Mas dizer aos benfiquistas duas coisas importantes. Dizer-lhes que só foi possível chegarmos aqui porque tivemos estabilidade. Dizer-lhes que para conquistarmos um, um bi tivemos 31 anos. Para conquistarmos um tri tivemos 39 anos. E para conquistar um tetra que nunca conquistamos. Foi agora que fizemos. E só se faz com muito amor, com muita paixão, com muito profissionalismo, com muita determinação e, e dando tudo de nós próprios em prol do Sporting do Benfica. Isto era uma pequena declaração que queria dizer para os benfiquistas porque era importante dizer-lhes mais uma coisa. Quem acabou na altura, em 2000, em 2000 com o Benfica, não foi nenhuma pandemia, foram os benfiquistas. Se há aqueles que hoje estão a festejar a derrota do Benfica, se há aqueles que que as pessoas se vergam após uma derrota, quero dizer, ao longo deste período da minha vida, enquanto eu não tenho estado no Benfica e na minha vida profissional, nunca verguei a nada. E espero, de certeza absoluta também, quando chegar a Lisboa, tomar uma decisão também, que será, penso eu, não vergar. Mas até lá, muita coisa vai-se passar, tenho que falar com a minha família. Mas dizer mais uma vez, que é muito importante para dizer o resto que me falta dizer, Acreditem que é com profundo mesmo sentimento benfiquista que digo. Não deixem voltar um pouco do passado, porque fomos nós todos que demos cabo do Benfica. E fazer o que fizemos ao longo destes 20 anos é muito difícil, tanto em termos de estruturas, como em termos esportivos, como em termos financeiros. Por isso, tudo tem dito aos benfiquistas, como nos abafo e dizer os dois de cara bem clara, sou o único culpado, não há aqui mais culpados, sou eu. Entretanto, dizer-vos também que o nosso treinador, Bruno Lais, quando acabou o jogo, dirigiu-se a mim com uma grande elevação e me disse Presidente, tenho o meu lugar à sua disposição porque entendo que neste momento as coisas não são boas para o Benfica. Não quero dizer que eu não tenha qualidade e não tenha capacidade para dar a volta como dei, mas neste momento não há condições para fazer, porque toda a gente parece que querem que eu me vá embora. Por isso, tem aqui e se aceitar, a partir de amanhã não serei treinador do Benfica. Por isso, meus amigos, boa noite a todos e aos benfiquistas dizer-lhes mais uma vez. Atenção, uma derrota não é o desespero total de ninguém. Obrigado a todos. That is the voice of President Luís Felipe Vieira following the Maritimo match. On Monday, he took the place of Bruno Lage in the post-game press conference and made that announcement. It's about a three-minute uh, speech, so I'm not going to translate it word for word, but I'll paraphrase for everybody. Basically, he came out and he said all kinds of things. He said, you know, um, he, he rattled off a list of accomplishments he's done since he's been president, kind of indirectly. He, he made a little campaign speech for himself. Follow that up by saying that the only person to blame for the current situation is him because he is the president and the responsibility falls on him. Um, so <laughs> he made like a little bit of a positive negative uh, 
theme going there. And then he went on to say, oh, by the way, it literally came out. Oh, by the way, our manager, Bruno Lage, has told me that he has put his position up for vacancy, essentially. So he starts off by rattling his his accomplishments off. And listen, the man has plenty of accomplishments as president of this club. I don't deny that. I don't think any Mifikishta denies that. And I don't want this, especially in the news segment, to turn into uh, a political political type of conversation. But um, because our club is a democracy, there is politics involved in our club. And this is the elected leader that we have chosen over the past 17 years. And, well, I don't think in any democracy anybody should be, not to get political again, but in any democracy, I don't think anybody should be in power for 17 years, not as president of a football club and not as a senator or a member of parliament. 17 years is not how government should be run. There should not be career politicians in football or in life. People, sh- Luis Felipeita should have returned to his real business a long time ago. Okay, um, listen, he, he, the new, him and Manel Villarín get a lot of credit because that new stadium was their baby. They created it. They pulled Benfica out of the doldrums. They pulled Benfica out of the dark ages, out of Vietnam, into what we've come to know in the past. He says the past twenty years. Really, it's the past ten that have been. That have been the 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 memorable part of his presidency. I don't think anybody's you know, although a lot of important off the pitch things happened in the first ten years on the pitch. We had one title and one tasa to look at. Okay, we beat Porto in a in a cup final and we won the league the following year, and that is it. But um, yeah, he's tooting his own horn, trying to save his presidency right now, reminding everyone of everything he he did and showing everyone how great of a leader he is by taking the blame. Well, well, that's going to be up to the sausage in October, whether or not they're going to buy that. But anyway, at the end, he's, you get the, oh, by the way, Bruno Lage has put his position up in the air for vacancy, meaning that he basically asked for his release or he, he presented a verbal resignation Bruno Lage has had resigned is essentially what Luis Felipe Vieira is telling us there and then at this point in time there was no news as to whether or not that resignation was going to be accepted Uh, a lot of the news shows around the Portuguese media discuss this that this didn't necessarily mean that the president accepted the resignation remember the contract works two ways and so by the time Luis Felipe Vieira and Bruno Lage got on the team coach to head back to the the airport in Fuchal, uh, Abala had already reported that they had the certainty that their sources have had verified that Luis Felipe Vieira had in fact accepted that resignation from coach Bruno Lage and that Bruno Lage no longer was the manager of Sport Lisboa Benfica. All right, so that was. I can't say that was unexpected. Anyone that watched the match could see in the body language of the players and of Lige that this thing just, it was over. That there was, he never should have managed this match. They never should have made him go to Madeira for this last match. But but Luis Felipe Vieira often, quote unquote, sees a light 
and he keeps tr- he keeps giving one last go at things. And um, well, last year he got bailed out, even though he kept Rui Vitoria a match too many, in my opinion. This time he got burned for the same reason. I know some of you have told me on Twitter uh, he should have been gone months ago, and I don't disagree. However, he certainly should not, 100% should not have been on the touchline for this match. So let's hear some more from around the Portuguese media, some reaction to the dismissal. It's been reported as a dismissal incorrectly. The resignation, the stepping down of manager Bruno Leige. Estas imagens têm apenas um ano, mas parecem pertencer a um passado muito distante. Bruno Lage passou de herói a vilão e sabe que está de saída do Benfica. Mas na luz já se procura um sucessor. Jorge Jesus continua a ser o nome mais desejado. O treinador tem uma cláusula que lhe permite deixar o Flamengo, mas terá de ser convencido a abandonar um projeto vencedor, onde é reconhecido e oferece um salário milionário. O Benfica teria de investir 4 milhões de euros para indemnizar o Flamengo e mais 8 milhões brutos para o treinador manter o salário que oferece no Brasil. O mesmo se passa com o Marco Silva, que é a alternativa mais forte. O treinador de 42 anos está livre depois da saída do Everton. Leonardo Jardim e Paulo Souza são hipóteses muito mais remotas. Renato Paiva da equipa B poderá ser uma solução temporária até final da época. O certo é que Bruno Lage tem contrato até 2024. O treinador recebe um milhão e meio de euros por época, pelo que a indenização de 6 milhões de euros a pagar pelo Benfica poderá ser a mais elevada de sempre do futebol português. That was a report from RTP. Um, I'll summarize the report for you. It started off with it was a TV report, so the 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 screen was showing images of last year's championship celebration. And the reporter says last year's images seem like a lifetime ago as we see players hoisting Lige on their shoulders. The reporter goes on to say Lige has gone from hero to villain in one year and the search for a replacement is on with Flamengo's Jorge Jesus as everyone's first pick. Says JJ has a low buyout clause from his contract with Domingo, but... He'll uh, he'll have to be convinced to leave a strong project, and it will be an expensive job to convince him. Um, as right now he sits on a salary of about four million euros per year. Plus, it would take a large investment from the club in squad upgrades, player upgrades, to convince JJ that the project is worthy of him leaving such a good situation in Rio de Janeiro at the moment. And I'll have more about JJ and more about that um, in an upcoming episode of Jota Jota Carioca. So I'm going to save JJ talk for that. Um, The reporter then goes on to say another rumored possibility is Marco Silva. Um... Marco Silva was sacked in December by Everton and is a more likely alternative to JJ at this time. The 42-year-old is as the 42-year-old is currently unemployed and does not have to be bought out of a contract. Then goes on to say Leonardo Jardim and Paulo Souza are long, are also in the mix as long shots, both unlikely to sign, however. Although today it has broken, uh, Abala reported it 
a little while ago that Paulo Souza has begun the process of stepping down as manager of Bordeaux. So in the coming days, Paulo Souza will be a free agent and a lot of Benfiquistas don't like this. A lot of Benfiquistas are nervous about that. A lot of Benfiquistas have voiced their displeasure at the idea of Paulo Souza being brought in to manage this team. I think we're jumping to conclusions. Um, however, Luis Felipe Vieira doesn't always have his finger on the pulse of Benfica Nation. So, who knows? <laughs> uh, who knows? But it looks like he is about to become a much more likely candidate if he is, in fact, a free man in a couple of days. And what are those contract details, you might ask? Well, according to, again, Abala, uh, this was back on the 1st of July yesterday, and I had tweeted this out in a conversation I was having with both Mario and Cynthia, Mario from Benfica After 90, his wife Cynthia from Azagi, as we were having a Twitter conversation where I presented these. And it, it I want to talk about this for a minute because... Bruno Lage makes out like a bandit here. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in a uh, disrespectful way. Bruno Lage, here's what Bruno Lage is getting. Because, of course, Luis Felipe Vieira signed him to a huge contract and then still upped it last December, um, locking Lage in until June of 2024. So, Bruno Lage now. Is uh, is owed two million dollars a year until 2024. Okay, do the math. That's for a total of eight million euros. Benfica will be paying Bruno Lage's salary until Bruno Lage is working again, is coaching again, managing again. Okay, this contract was negotiated by super agent George Menz also, and it pays to have George Menz in your corner, and you, it starts to show how this football business works a little bit more. And I don't know that everyone really understands. Sometimes when we think about transfers that make no sense, you have to put in the fact of who the agent is that brokers these deals. So Bruno Lage, represented by Gestifoot, is the name of the agency which is owned by super agent George Menz. So, Bruno Lage will get $2 million a year until the end of the 2024 season, until June 2024 from Benfica, unless he gets another coaching job, another management job. Now, if Bruno Lage gets another job, okay, say he starts the next season somewhere, if his salary is lower than 2 million euros per season, Benfica will pay the difference to guarantee Bruno Lage a 2 million euro per season salary. This is a phenomenal parting deal. This is a phenomenal severance deal. And I can't, I mean, I wish I could get a severance deal like this. None of us see this. This is fantastic work from the super agent, obviously. And Luis Felipe Vieta had no choice because he had to make the change. And he did some bad business to put himself in this situation. So, Bruno Lage will be all right. I There are no details as to which of his assistants have been let go. Um, obviously, Nelson Verissimo has stayed on. 
I had misspoke in the past and said that Verissimo was with Lige um, in England with Carlos Carvalhal. Nelson Verissimo has been at Benfica as a youth B and under-23 coach since 2012. So I misspoke on that. And that is why Verissimo is still uh, at Benfica. And he'll take control. It has been confirmed. He will be the manager, um, the interim manager, okay, or the placekeeper on Saturday against Boavista. All right, that is the difference in Bruno Lage's, um That is the, the update on Bruno Lage's contract uh, situation. One other thing I want to say about Luis Felipe Vieira before I bury the hatchet about this is one thing that really I did not like hearing in that speech, okay, when he said he made sure to say, first of all, that the manager feels like nobody wants him here, okay? At the top of the show, you heard the post-game flash interview from the manager. He said the exact opposite. Once again, I don't know who to believe. I don't believe the players had Bruno Lage this is back. I don't believe they were in his corner. However, it's, that does not necessarily mean that Bruno Lage didn't believe that the players had his back. So I don't know what to believe in that regard but in other news now there is other news this week we're going to rattle off really quickly here as this segment is running just a bit long we've got some news and it starts with the something I should have reported about two weeks ago but it is official UEFA has announced that the UEFA Champions League quarterfinals semifinals and final will be played in Lisbon Stadio de Luz, of course, the ho- once again, the host of the UEFA Champions League final. Remember the last time was in 20, I want to say 2013 or it was 2014, where a Real Madrid led by Cristiano Ronaldo had an extra time victory over rival Atletico Madrid. Uh, we'll see who's going to be the teams as it's an Elite Eight format coming to Lisboa. The FPF, the for the Portuguese Federation, or Portuguese FA, if you will, announced yesterday that the Portuguese Cup Final will be played. It'll be played in in the beginning of August, I believe August 2nd, and it'll be played in Coimbra and not in Aveiro or Faru like they had previously announced. It'll also not be played at the Cidade Football, where where Bolognese, Sade, and Santa Clara are playing their home matches. The the Cidad Football, of course, is the adjacent training complex, state-of-the-art training complex, adjacent to the National Stadium of at Jamor. Um, the National Stadium, of course, not fit for uh, competition at this time due to, to structural um, and design issues that do not allow for the measures that are in place um, regarding social distancing and things of that sort in this post-COVID era. The FPF also announced yesterday that the Super Cup has been suspended. The Super Tasa, Candido de Oliveira, that normally kicks off the new season in August, has been suspended indefinitely. Also, FPF uh, announced this week that they have done a U-turn and they said that they will no longer... They say they no longer intend or will no longer implement a salary cap in women's football. This is good news for women's football, especially for Benfica 
women's football because honestly how can a professional team with a salary cap of 550,000 euros be competitive outside of Portugal it's impossible okay so for the teams with ambition Befica Sporting and Sporting Braga the teams that want to go into Europe one that want to be champion to go into the Champions League that payroll is not going to cut it um, also the Federation took a lot of heat for um, from supporters and from athletes alike calling it gender discrimination to set such a low such a low salary cap on women's football. The club announces, speaking of women's football, some more departures. Unfortunately, it's the departure of defender Yasmin, um, also defender Portugal international Riquel Infante, midfielder Pati, Diva Mera, Inej Quiroga, and Swedish international Julia Spetsmark, who just joined uh, in January. Um, have all departed, as have Americans Mimi Assam and Alana O'Neill. I don't think they even suited up for Benfica. They arrived also in the winter transfer season. Um, and also backup goalkeeper Dida has moved on. However, in good news regarding Benfica and women's football, Benfica have signed, announced that they have signed Portugal international Carol Costa away from Sporting. And they have also announced that Jassi Vasconcelos has also signed to rejoin the club. Men's football has announced, excuse me, men's futsal has announced that they have come to agreements and signed contract renewals for star players Robinho and Fitz. Volleyball head coach Marcel Matz has also signed a contract extension. And let's quickly go down the list for the results of round 29 in Liga Nage. Or is it round 28? Excuse me. It is going to be. It was round 28. I apologize for misspeaking there. It began on Sunday, June the 28th. It was Boavista 1, Santa Clara 0. On Monday, June 29th, Sportivo das Aves is relegated in a nil uh, a zero one or one nil home defeat to fellow Minu rival Moreirense and Nun Manta Santos is headed back or his side at least is headed back to the second division. Maritimo, as you know, beats Benfica two nil. Passos de Ferreira nil. Futebol Clube do Porto one. Opens up a bigger lead for the the blue and white prison stripes from the north. On Tuesday, Fumlicão nil, Portimonense one, Vitória Guimarães two, Vitória Stubal nil, and in a in the match of the week, Riwav mount a comeback down three two at halftime. Riwav beats Sporting Braga four to three. On Wednesday, Bolinish Sad won, Tondela won at the Cidade Football. And at Alvalade on Wednesday, closing out the round, Sporting 2, Gil Vicente won. Ruben Amorim wins again. All right, that's going to do it for the news, the very long news segment this week. On the other end, we're going to get into the disaster that was Maritimo 2, Benfica 0 in Funchal. Passo o caminho é duro Temos muita história mas ainda mais futuro 
Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sinto o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho Vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Welcome back to episode 64 of Mr. Benfica. You can follow me on Twitter, of course, at Benfica Mister, on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And don't forget to check out MrBenfica.com. That's www.MrBenfica.com. I got some new content up there. I got an article and a video up there. All right, so check that out once you're done listening to the pod. All right, so we are at the Estadio dos Barreiros in Funchal. Beautiful Funchal on the island of Madeira. Let's go right to the lineups. Starting with the home side, Maritimu. In goal, the Iranian international Amir Abedezke. He is he is supported in front of him by a back four featuring right back in Nanu. Junior and Dehan Kirkes are the central defenders with Fabio Shina on the left. The holding mid is Rene. In front of him, four midfielders, Edgar Costa on the right, Pedro Palagio and Josip Vuksevic in the center, and Argentinian winger. Jorge Correa down the left. Rodrigo Pinho is the lone striker. Benfica with a makeshift lineup. Uh, remember, injuries and suspensions came into play. And Bruno Lage, um I think he was sensing this was it for him. And I think he threw a wild uh, attempt here to put some kind of lineup together in hopes of a miracle. Um, I think Bruno Lage shows some too much loyalty to some players. Um, that, that seems to be a trait of his. And, the, and I think that, if I'm being fair, I think that was ultimately his downfall um, in this tenure as manager of Benfica. Odiseas is in goal. Andre Almeida, the right back. Nuno Tavares, the left back. The center back pairing, not what many of us would expect or, or, or would have 
called for. Definitely not what I would have called for. Bruno Lage obviously did not listen to last week's episode of Mr. Benfica as Jardel partnered with the ever out of form and just underperforming Ferru. All right. For whatever reason, Bruno Lage shows loyalty to these players who just continued to dig his grave. Ferro has not been good since early 2009, since the end of last season, really. He did not come into this season at all uh, good like he did, like he finished last season, and he has just deteriorated more and more each match. Four in midfield for Benfica. Pizzi on the right, Franco Cervi down the left, and the center mid-pairing for the first time ever, most likely, and maybe the only time ever. Uli and Weigel uh, partners with Andreas Samaris. Uh, up front, you have Chiquinho making a surprise start in place of Rafa, a decision that made absolutely zero sense. But again, Bruno Lage is trying anything. He's hoping somebody will be the hero and save him at this point. And Chiquinho partners with Carlos Vinicius. Not much to really talk about in this first half. Uh, if he could played well, but once... Uh, once Carlos Vinicius missed an absolute sitter in front of goal with uh, an opportunity to put Befica ahead and to keep alive the hope of a possible run at the title, at least to push this another week, he failed. He hit Amir right, uh, right dead square in the chest with his shot. And... Maritimo reorganized, and slowly but surely, Benfica's play started to tail off, and they would really lose all momentum. And to be perfectly honest, they appeared to lose all interest in playing this match as it went on. Uh, we had a yellow card for Almeida in the 31st minute, and a yellow card for Fabio Shina of Maritimo in the 44th minute. As the two teams will go to the halftime team room. Nothing to talk about. Um, really a nothing match. It looks like a training match. Uh, stadium's empty, obviously. And Benfica, really. And this is something that really is starting to bother me. And will bother me about this team. Because I don't think we're going to have fans when, when next season starts either. They don't seem interested in playing in front of nobody. Almost like they're too good to play empty stadium matches. The effort from this team was absolutely poor and unacceptable in this match. Absolutely poor, unacceptable effort or lack thereof. Okay. Weigel was decent. Okay. Samadij was not great. He was not bad nor good. He was somewhere in between. But by default, he's probably the second best player on the raw, uh, on the lineup in this first half. And he was not very good. And it, it's not a good combination of, of Samadij and, and, and Weigel together in a 4-4-2. It makes little sense, especially when they have so few reps together. But this is what Bruno Lage went with. And we go into halftime. Nil-nil. And all still to play for in the second half. And if you're watching and you're a Benfica like me, you're just waiting. Come on. Come on, guys. Let's turn. Let's wake up now. Let's let's just push a little. You had the impression that, that if they just cared a little and just pushed a little and just worked a little harder, they would have gotten a goal. This roster is not well built, but there is plenty of talent on it to take care of, a, at the time, 14th place Maritimo. There's plenty of talent to take care of a 17th place Portimonense, 15th place Tondela, 
This is who we've dropped massive amount of points to in the last five weeks. Completely unacceptable. It doesn't matter who the coach is, who the manager is. Against these, against this opposition, you had to win those three matches. At least two out of those three matches. If they'd have won two out of those three matches and still won the Riwav match, we'd be, we'd be looking much different right now considering our rivals did everything they could to help us get out in front of them. Anyway, we go into halftime and we'll be right back with the second half here on Mr. Benfica. And on to the second half, and this time Brutalize avoids the temptation to make a double substitution at halftime. This is the first time in a couple matches he hadn't done that. He apparently really likes the lineup that he put out in this match, or he just didn't see the options off the bench. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I think he could have he could have put the perfect lineup on the pitch for this match. And once Vinicius missed that sitter. There was nothing else that was going to happen in this match. This was They just did not want this one. They'd had enough, it looks like. They don't like to play in these empty stadiums, like I said. They don't like to work hard when they don't have fans pushing them ahead. Um, I, if you haven't read the article I put up on MrBenfica.com, I really call into question their character and their lack of professionalism that has been readily on display for everyone to see. In the matches that have been played since the league restarted after the the hiatus due to the COVID nineteen outbreak, so we get a substitution finally in the fifty seventh minute. Not much going on, and it's a double substitution, of course, because of the rules. And why would you ever not make five substitutions just because you get five substitutions, right? This was a topic on on uh, the Portuguese language podcast Fever Pitch this week. Um, João Gonçalves, who also you've seen on BTV, very, very solid football commentator, very knowledgeable, and a big Benfica fan was talking about I believe the English Premier League in this particular episode, but him and his guest mentioned how it just, it's funny. FIFA adds these two extra substitutions and every manager all of a sudden uh, has it set in their head that they have to make all five substitutions. And when you think about it for a minute, when you remove the goalkeeper from the equation, there are 10 field players. You're going to make five substitutions. You are changing half of the team on the pitch. You have completely changed the dynamic and completely changed the makeup of the team that has taken the pitch. And maybe this is where Benfica have really failed because Lige has overdone the substitutions since the break. He was heavily criticized before the stoppage, before the hiatus of taking too long to make substitutions, of not making enough. I understood most of the times why he was holding off. A lot of times when you're winning, 
you only make certain changes. When things are going your way, you only make certain, even if you're not playing well, there are certain structural changes you don't want to make to the team. But ever since he's been, we've been back since this restart, it's been too many substitutions. And what happens is the players that get on the pitch no longer really mesh to make a team. So, 57th minute, that said, you guessed it, Seferovic for Vinicius. Whichever one starts, plays for the first hour, and the other one comes in. Not hard to scout for this. Also, Rafa replaces Samadish, and while Samadish was not great, or even good, he was just fair. As soon as this substitution was made, Benfica lost the midfield. Weigel found himself on an island all by himself and Maritimo getting all kinds of space starting to open up at this point in the match at the one hour mark in the 60th minute still uh, a yellow card to Maritimo's Dehan Kirkes uh, he's shown the yellow for a bad foul on Seferovic just as Seferovic steps on the pitch three minutes later it's Rodrigo Pino of Maritimo going into the book for a foul on Pizzi Another lackluster performance from the assist king. Maritimo get in in the substitution game on <laughs> at 68 minutes, and it is Jetterson coming on replacing Edgar Costa. And then the fatal substitution. I just, <laughs> I just uh, criticized Fifi. Excuse me, cru- criticized Peasy. But this substitution ended up being uh, the death blow to Benfica, really, when you see where the, the, the disaster starts from. So Andrea Zivkovic replaces PZ. A substitution that on paper even makes sense. Zivkovic was not bad against Santa Clara. Apparently his teammates don't like that he's included in the team. Apparently he's miserable being in the team because he didn't even thank his coach for the playing time. He's he's played under three managers and has been on the wrong side of all three of them. Who in the hell does he think he is to be so entitled that he doesn't even shake his manager's hand coming off the pitch? And of course, he goes right back onto the pitch this week. Zivkovic replacing Peasy. And you, one might wonder that if he had never been hit by by glass from the bus attack, I don't know if he ever finds his way back onto the pitch. However, you would have thought his teammates would rally around him, but you know what we're realizing is we don't really have a team. We have a group of players, and we have factions of players. It looks very obvious that this locker room is filled with clicks, and Zivkovic finds himself... On the outside of all of them, apparently. Uh, he replaces PZ, And it's a double substitution again. Diego Souza gets another chance. As he replaces Chervi. And Lige just cannot help himself. When you need a goal, just add more strikers, right? Now, you heard what I said about when Samadish came off. We lost the midfield. Imagine... Pizzi and Chervi coming off. 
What do you think happened? Yeah, we opened an autostrada, a highway, down both flanks, and it only took one more minute after Chervi and Pizzi come off for this to happen. Seferovic. Abriendo con Tavares. Alejó pasar Seferovic. Corta Pelayo. Jetterson. Nanú. Avanza Nanú. Nanú y empieza a correr. Nanú el autopase. Nanú sigue. Nanú mire qué carrera. Nanú sigue. Nanú sigue. Nanú no al medio. Nanú. And that's what it sounded like on Gold TV in Espanol here in the United States. And you don't need to understand Spanish to understand that one. You heard, you heard the name Seferovic, Nuno Tavares. And then you heard Maritimo. And then you heard Nanu. And you heard Nanu again. Nanu takes the Benfica loses the ball in the attacking third. It starts with losing the ball in the attacking third. It gets cleared, finds its way to Jetterson, and because Nuno Tavares is all the way up the pitch, you know, playing almost as a another forward, as a, as a wide a winger. Okay, there's a huge channel down the left because Cherdvi is now on the bench. Zivkovic is there, and he's been on the pitch for one minute, and he can't even run. 10 meters with Nanu gives up on the play. Nanu then then passes to himself around Ferru and you know I believe it was on the broadcast on Gold TV there uh, where the 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 commentator points out that when you're tall and lanky like Ferru in wide open space like that the absolute worst thing an attacker can do is kick the ball by you and then outrun you to it you're you're big you're lanky and it takes a long time to turn around he was not ready for it he was he was stepping far too hard rather than than dropping into space to contain it to cut off that lane and Ferro is burned again. Nanu at full at full pace comes into the area, slides a perfect pass across the face of Odie's goal, out of the reach for all of the trailing Benfica players who are trying to catch up to the play, and right onto the boot of Jorge Correa, and the Argentine makes it one nil for Maritimo, and the camera catches a shot of Brunelage. And you could just see it in his face. He knew it was over. He knew this team was not going to fight for his job. Now he said all the right things in the in in the flash interview. He said that the team is with him. He said that the president is with them. He's ever the good soldier, right to the death. He didn't say a bad thing about anybody. Unfortunately, Bruno, your team betrayed you. Your team let you down, in my opinion, but it is an educated opinion. I've been on the end of this on both sides. 
I've played f- for coaches I despised and seen teammates do this. I've been on a bench and seen a colleague, you know, a superior, if you will, get sabotaged just like this with this kind of performance week after week. And Benfica quickly down 1-0. And just for good measure, and just in case Benfica, you know, had any thoughts of changing their mind and coming back and trying to steal these points. And at this point... I wasn't expecting it. And to be honest, I didn't even have that feeling in my stomach for this match anymore. Something told me that it was over. But just seal it. Just seal it off. Okay? Five minutes later, we get this. Servicio al área. Sigue la pelota en el área. Saca con todo Pelagio. Revienta arriba. Hay lucha. Tagueu, y este Tagueu es bastante fuerte, y ganó Tagueu para Nanú, y otra vez agárrese todo el mundo porque empezó a correr Nanú, 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 y arranca a correr Nanú, Nanú, qué motor, tiene Nanú, qué motor, Deja vu. If you didn't know any better, you thought you just watched. If you were watching this, you thought you'd seen the first goal all over again. Uh, so similar as Nanu again roasts the entire team, toasts them, plays it across. This time it's Rodrigo Pinho in for the tap in of Rodrigo Pinho, who was being chased, if you want to call it that, by a nearly walking Andre Almeida. I'm starting to question Andrea. I'm starting to question Andrea Almeida's character and value to this team. His comments a couple weeks ago, his piss poor performance this week. I'm starting to wonder if you, about Andrea Almeida. Is this the kind of guy we want to keep on this club going forward, or is it time to cut cut bait with a lot of these guys? This is something. The club needs to decide. And this is going to be a big order for whoever the permanent new coach is. He's going to have to sort this out. There are players that need to go. There are influences in this team that need to go. The new manager along with... If Rui Costa still is anything other than a symbolic part of the staff. He used to be the director of sport. Tiago Pint is the director of football. What exactly these men do for a living, nobody knows, other than be seen on camera. I don't think either of them hold any actual power. I think the president calls all the shots in this club because they make no sense. He's not. It doesn't look like a club who's letting their sporting people make sporting decisions. But they're going to be needed because this club needs to figure out where they're going. And just as importantly as hiring a new manager, appointing a new manager, 
is figuring out what needs to be weeded out of this team. What needs to be weeded out of this locker room. 2 nothing. to Maritimus there. And that's in the 78th minute. We get another substitution. And Bruno Lage does it to the kid again. On you go, Jota. In the 81st minute, Jota replaces Chiquinho. A very poor performance from Chiquinho. Uh, but below his standards, okay? At least if players are playing to their normal standards, I don't think that's asking much. There's a lot of players in this on this team that wear this jersey that many of us, myself included, don't believe are at the level of our club. I had high hopes for Chiquinho. I had high hopes for him. You know, the manager had high hopes for him. Remember what he said early in the season? Remember when he came off the bench and made a difference? Chiquinho had a chance to make a difference in this match. He had a chance to be the one to re to start a rally. He was given an opportunity, a golden opportunity. Nothing comes of it. Jota gets his usual eight minutes on the pitch. How is the kid ever going to develop with such few minutes? For his sake, I hope he's loaned out to a club that will play him. For his own future? Or are we just going to waste him because he's not João Felix? Anyway. Another substitution by Maritimo in the 84th. Diego Moreno replaces Rodrigo Pino. Benfica make no effort at trying to come back. They just see out the, the match. And you get the final whistle at 90 plus 6. And that takes us back to where the episode basically began. With Bruno Lage's post-game flash interview. And all that followed. As they say, the rest is history. Let's quickly go through the goal point. Okay. I almost don't want to because the goal point is going to tell a story that is not true. It's going to tell fiction. And sometimes analytics, for as useful as they can be, can tell fiction. The ratings starting with Maritimu. The goalkeeper, Amir, 8.3. He was the man of the match. How many times this season do we play against a goalkeeper who seems to have a career match against us? I got a spoiler alert for you. The goalkeepers aren't necessarily having career matches against us. We are incredibly talented at hitting goalkeepers from point-blank range. We are in we are incredibly talented at making opposing goalkeepers look phenomenal. We did it again. 8.3 for the Iranian international. Nanu, the right back, or right wing back, if you will. 7.4. Kirkes, 5.0. Junior, 6.2. Rene, 5.7. And Fabushina, 4.7. Vuksovic, 5.6. Pelagiu, 5.6 as well. Correa with a goal and only a 5.2 rating. And Rodrigo Pino with a goal and a low 4.7 rating. Edgar Costa, 4.6. Jetterson comes off the bench for a 4.9. Benfica, Odi, 4.7. Almeida, 5.8. Jardel, 6.3. Ferru, 6.0, despite being very much responsible for both goals. Again, 
analytics are good most of the time. Sometimes they tell fiction. Nurutvarish 5.0. Chervi 6.3. Good thing we took him out at the hour mark. Samarish 5.3. Good thing we took him out. <laughs> Ulian Weigel was Benfica's top-rated player in um, listening and watching all of the other shows. You know, uh, shout out of course to Benfica Podcast, Benfica FM, Visão Vermelha, uh, all of the all of the the Benfica st- podcast, the po- the the blogs, all of the match ratings agree that Weigel was the best player for Benfica in this very poor match but Weigel has been incredibly uh, consistent and professional during this collapse there's one guy who appears to deserve to wear our crest he's got to be bummed that he came here though (laughs) you got to think the way that this team has collapsed since he arrived and the nerve that some fans have to blame him and who knows probably elements in that locker room as well He's probably wondering what Witzel and Rafael Guerrero were talking about. PZ 5.9. Chiquinho 6.0. Not sure how he earned that. Carlos Vinicius 5.3. Off of the subs bench, Rafa 5.2. Seferovic 4.7. Zivkovic 5.0 despite walking behind Nanu on their first goal. Diego Souza, 5.2. He had the best chance of the game for Benfica. Diego Souza late. I say they didn't do it. They did almost get a goal off of Diego Souza header late. And Amir made a nice save. Now, if you really want to talk about delusion. And even though these numbers are true. They completely mistell the story. Shots on goal. Maritimo, 6 to Benfica's 20. 20 shots. Seven of those shots on goal. Six of those seven right at the goalkeeper. Maritimo had two shots on goal. Shots from inside the area. Maritimo three. Benfica 12. 12 shots inside the area. Six right at the goalie. Pass efficiency. Benfica 88% to Maritimo 76 uh, vertical pass efficiency, 77% for Benfica to 57% for Maritimo. And also notable in this match was Ulian Weigel had a 100% pass efficiency rate, including eight long vertical passes. Duels won. Benfica 58 to Maritimo's 47. So that tells you Benfica should have worked harder. No, they really didn't. Maritimo were well organized. Fouls committed, 18 aside. And I always love, when we when Benfica play horrible, they seem to always have a very misleading advantage in this stack. Corners, Maritimo 1, Benfica 11. And of course, the most useless, uh, the most useless statistic, statistic in all of football, possession, 32% to the victors, Maritimo 68% to Benfica. Expected goals, Benfica 1.9 expected goals to Maritimus 1.3 expected goals. All right, let's take a quick break. <laughs> um, I think enough has been said about this one. Um, of course, don't forget to check out the social media and go ahead to MrBenfica.com and check out my article on the culture of Benfica and where I pinpoint a lot 
of the blame of what is going on. And also, um, if you'd like the, the, the segment coming up, the final segment is already available on you on both on YouTube on the channel, the Mr. Benfica channel. And it's also up on MrBenfica.com. Some of you may have seen it already. I put that out early for everyone as a little sneak peek. Um, the video is there if you want to see. And um, we will be right back then with the final segment for this Mr. Benfica episode 64. And a welcome back to everybody listening on the podcast here to episode 64 of Mr. Benfica. Special hello and welcome to everybody watching the video now on MrBenfica.com and on the YouTube channel. Okay, so what happens next? This is the final segment of this episode. What happens next? Bruno Lage is gone. Now what? All right, so... In the short term, we know Nelson Verissimo is taking over charge of the squad right now. He's running trainings. It looks like he's going to manage the squad until the end of the season. We'll see what happens. Okay, again, time will tell, but I'm under the impression that this team is all of a sudden going to start trying again. Um, there was video put out by CMTV. Okay, um, it was back after the Santa Clara match. Okay, after Benfica had lost at home. And they point out that only Andrea Almeida of all of the Benfica players went to to shake hands with the coach and high-five the manager, Bruno Lage at the time. Okay. A lot of the players did go over and shake hands and get a pat on the back from, from Nelson Verissimo. Okay. So that tells me, at least on the surface, that the players are going to be with Verissimo at least in the beginning. Five matches to play. All right. We have to get second place. That's now become the the objective of the rest of the season because we need to be in the Champions League pre-rounds. We cannot fall all the way to the Europa League at this point. Um, if we want to bring in a manager, a quality manager, we have to be at least in a position to have a chance to qualify for the Champions League group phase next season. Okay. Now, this is where... Um, I may be a little bit more of a pessimist, but I don't consider myself a pessimist at all. I consider myself much more a realist than a pessimist, okay? Someone asked me why I don't want Mauricio Pochettino, and are you out of your mind? Of course, I would love to have Mauricio Pochettino manage this squad. We'd be unstoppable, I think. I think Mauricio Pochettino has a phenomenal, phenomenal pedigree. Um, He's got a style of play that people like, and he's got experience working with, with... Working in youth players and academy players and getting them into the first team and working with smaller budgets and he he he's shown he can manage players at different level. I think Mauricio Pochettino would be a best case scenario in a dream world. In the real world, it's not going to happen. I don't see and I believe he's already said no thanks. Unai Emery, I don't believe he's coming to Benfica. Okay, I know when people say who they want, a lot of them are shooting for stars we're not going to catch. In my opinion. Maybe I'm just pessimist. I think I'm realist, but in my opinion, that's just what I think. Best case scenario for me, I've thought about this now for some time. Best case scenario, 
um, of what's available. And what I'm hearing now is that even this is highly unlikely, but it's Leonard Girdin. That's the best case scenario. Why? Leonard Girdin is a project manager. What we need going forward, if we're going to continue in this model, which we can do that, okay, it needs to be tweaked. It can't be followed to a T the way it is right now. But if we're going to continue to try to develop our own talent and bring them through the youth team, through the B team, and into the first team, Leonardo Jardim is the guy to do that. He's got experience. He built a winner at Monaco. Everyone says, oh, anyone can win at Monaco when you have Kylian Mbappe, Bernardo Silva, Fabinho, etc. Radamel Falcão. But the truth is, the truth is, Leonardo Jardim had a big hand in developing those players. Okay, He had a big hand in developing those players. Benfica's got talent at, if they're nurtured correctly and brought along correctly. Benfica does not have talent if they're going to be dumped into the Champions League group stage with no experience in the first division. Tomas Tavares, for example, no experience in the second division. He'd only played in the U23s, and we dropped him into the... He, he made six appearances in the Champions League before he made a league appearance. Are you kidding me? So, Leonardo Jardim, I think, is a good manager if this is going to be the direction we continue to take. Now, I still think that's shooting from three-point range if we think we're going to get Leonardo Jardim, okay? Leonardo Jardim is in demand. Leonardo Jardim is the one manager that was able to stop the reign of PSG in the French Ligue 1, okay? He won the championnat. With Monaco, okay? It took him three and a half years to build that team, but he did it. That's why I think he's a project manager. However, there's bigger projects out there in Europe, and there are, and I believe there are bigger clubs that are going to come for Leonardo Jardim. Uh, unfortunately, we may Fikisha see our, our, our club up here. We see ourselves at the top, okay? Myself included, but managers that have no connection to Benfica at this point in time, with what this club has shown in the recent history, okay? If you're coming to Benfica, okay, the first, if I'm a manager and I have interest in this job, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to watch game matches from this past season, okay, and see what happened. I'm going to see what happened to the previous manager too. I'm going to see we have a group of quitters. That's going to turn off a lot of serious managers to this job. So, I've already said, Pochettino's a dream, not going to happen. Emery, I think that's out of our reach. Okay, I could be wrong, but I think he even he's out of our reach. JJ, not happening yet. Okay, at least not yet. Um, perhaps, perhaps if Copa Libertadores gets canceled, um, perhaps then. But it's going to be a costly, costly investment, okay? Um, George Zuzzi is going to cost us quite a bit of money. He's got about double the salary of Bruno Lage, And the president is going to have to cede even more than money. He's going to have to cede money, but even more so, he's going to have to cede power. Is Luis Felipe Vieira ready to cede power? Luis Felipe Vieira seems like he is, he is fighting uh, tooth and limb. He's hanging by a thread in his life as as president of this club. This seems like maybe in a desperate last-ditch effort once we get to September or October, Luis Felipe Vieta may go out there and try to bring home Georges Zouge. That's still the guy he wants, it appears at least. But Georges Zouge, Georges Zouge is going to come with certain demands, 
and certain expectations that the president will have to fill if he wants the manager to even consider the job. So let's rule him out right now because that's, I don't think, in the, in the immediate future. Marco Silva, I felt and still feel to an extent is a good fit. Okay, Honestly, I think we'd be more than lucky if we got Marco Silva. Um, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he turned the job down. Marco Silva still in demand in Europe, higher paying clubs, or more ambitious projects. Okay, um, yes, he has. Wherever he's gone, he's had friction with with the board or with the ownership. Uh, he had problems at Sporting, but who didn't have problems with Brun Carvalho with BDC? Okay, the laughable reason for his dismissal not wearing the <laughs> not wearing a sport coat for a match. Um, we all know why Marco Silva was dismissed from Sporting. It was to make room for somebody else, and they had to find some justifiable reason to sack him and not have to pay him his money. Okay, he ran into trouble with Olympiacos. He ran into trouble at Hull City, at Watford, and at Everton. And the Everton uh, chairman, I believe, said that things were great with Marco Silva until he started to hear rumors of interest from other clubs. Watford had said the same. Everything was great with Marco Silva until he heard there was interest from Everton and that was the job he wanted. So from there on, it went downhill. He still got the Everton job. I think if he comes to Benfica, I know a lot of you aren't excited about that. A lot of people don't really want to see him. I think he'll do as well as anybody else. I really don't think we're going to be in a position to be very picky. I'm sorry. This is very pessimistic sounding, but I'm being a realist. I don't think we're going to be in position to be very picky. I think I understand now why Sporting spent $10 million to get Ruben Amboni when they did. I think Sporting had the foresight to realize that Bruno Lage's numbers, excuse me, Bruno Lage's days were numbered at Benfica, and they wanted to get Ruben Amorim before Benfica got any ideas. I could be wrong, but it, it, if that was the plan, it worked. Okay, um, so who do I want to see? Okay, we've ruled out just about every manager that's been mentioned. Um, uh, Laurent Blanc was also mentioned. He's not interested uh, as. There was another one. I, I the name escaped. Oh, uh, Massimo Allegri, not interested. Why would he be? Um, really, this is going to be tough. I wouldn't be surprised if I was a betting man. If I were a betting man, my money would be on either Verissimo or Renato Paiva. But not because that's who I'm choosing. But I honestly think that's going to be who's available. And I think. Luis Felipe Vieira might have to make a choice between those two. Perhaps someone else will come out and be available in the very near future once this season winds down. But if you don't want a young manager, okay, that's just starting out, which a lot of fans don't. That rules out both of these guys. But I don't know what you're going to go get, Evo Vieira. You're going to get a, a more experienced Portuguese manager, but at what level is he going to take you? Okay, He's untested in top teams. Okay, he's no different than Rui Vitória was. No different. He's got almost the same trajectory as Rui Vitória. Okay, you're gonna go get Rui Vitória back? I doubt it. Um, I don't know. I think Benfica's in a very precarious situation. Uh, I don't think the options are as as open as people think. I don't see a lot of these managers choosing Benfica. A lot of people are put off at the idea of Paulo Souza. If Paulo Souza wants to come to Benfica. 
I don't I can't think of too many better than him that are willing to come. And it's not about money. Okay, a, taking a job in Portugal at this day at this time is a step down for any of the guys that we want. We have to be realists. We have to realize that it is a step down for just about anybody. If you want a guy that's stepping up, well, he's going to be untested, unproven. And quite frankly, until the man at the top changes, until the the attitude and the culture changes, we're going to be having the same discussion in 12 to 18 months. I'm going to be right up front and honest with you. I think we're going to have this discussion again. Whoever we hire, I think we're going to play great for a while. The players will be will be into it. The players will work hard for them. Maybe Luis Fiedo will even invest in bringing in some players. That'll extend it. But at some point, if the culture does not change, if the president does not change, or at least if this president stays and does not change his ways, we're going to have this discussion again in 12, 18, 24 months, somewhere down the road. We may put it off for a little while, but we're going to be having this discussion once again. So... I didn't really answer the question as to what's next because I have no idea. Uh, this is so open and so uh, so unpredictable right now. Um, it was a bad time to lose a manager. Benfica should have made this decision sooner. Bruno Lage, we hear he 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 told the president that he put his his um, his seat up for grabs. That he his position was on the table, and that he didn't feel he had the conditions. Yet then the next day, Baller reports that Bruno Lage wanted to continue and he believed he had the conditions. I don't know who to believe. I mean, there's a lot of lies that get spread in the media. So sitting from where I sit in my seat here in my little home studio in the United States of America, very hard to try to get a grasp of what's really going on. Um, there's definitely managers out there. I'm going to rule out Luis Castro right now because I just don't see that happening. He won't even mention our club's name when he played against us in the Europa League. It was o adversario, the adversary. He won't even say Benfica. Okay? I'm not questioning his his professionalism, but he's still got tripeiro blood running through his veins, I think. Um, I think we need to go out. <laughs> We're going to have to be bold. And as I think of who's out there, maybe my buddy Miguel Castro, I don't think he's working. He's going to come in here, though, and he's not a yes man, okay? I've met the man. I've had a great conversations with Miguel Castro, okay? He was sacked from uh, from AEK, sacked from Celta Vigo, and sacked from Nunt, okay? Because he is not a yes man. If, if Luis Lufieta is looking for a yes man, who knows? It could be anybody. If he's looking for a yes man, it'll likely... If he really, really is committed to a yes man, like he has been, then my money's on either Verissimo, depending how he does, or Renato Paiva, the B-team manager. I hope I'm wrong. Luis Felipe Vieira needs to forget about the idea of a yes man, and he needs to bring in the right man. He's going to have to search. Okay, it, it, it's probably someone off our radar. The right manager is probably somebody that's off our radar. A lot of people want a foreign manager. I'm fine with that. But I don't want a foreign manager just for the sake of him being a foreign manager. 
Okay? Not just for the sake of him being a foreign manager. Let me know what you guys think, okay? Tweet at me at Benfica Mr. on Twitter or send me an inbox on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Um, you can leave a reply at MrBenfica.com or you can email me at TheMrBenfica at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for this week. I hope everybody has a good rest of the week. Try to enjoy the match on Saturday. Happy 4th of July to all the listeners in the United States. All right, uh, happy belated Canada Day to all the listeners in Canada. And let's stick together. Forza Benfica, Carrega Benfica. If not this year, then next, Damu 38. This has been Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing off. Have a great week.